Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and just thank you so much for continuing to show up here with me again and again. I woke up feeling a bit unsettled with our current state of isolation today, and I'm going to blame a lot of it on the weather. I'm noticing that, rightfully so, when it's sunny and nice out, I'm far more disturbed by being sequestered to my home because it feels so good to get outside and to take Jasper for long walks or, you know, open the windows and get fresh air. Yesterday, I got in my car and I put the windows down and just blasted feel-good music and drove around aimlessly. It was amazing. And today... I can hardly see out my windows due to the fog. It's super gray, it's cold, and I just, I won't lie to you, my headspace matches this a bit. And I think it's super healthy, always, not not just in times like these, but yes, more so now than ever, that we express and feel okay about sharing how we're all experiencing this super strange time in the world. And yeah, today for me, is just a little bit more difficult. So I've expressed my feelings, I'm sitting with them, I'm owning them, I'm recognizing them, and I've just decided that today I'm going to allow myself to take an afternoon bath, I'm going to bake fresh bread, I'm going to watch a feel-good movie, and I might do a Peloton meditation, and just stay off my phone. FaceTiming and talking with friends all day has been so therapeutic and it's honestly what's keeping me sane, but I'm just in one of those mind frames today where I feel like I just need to like retreat into myself and to just sort of be with myself and just disconnect. Sometimes that is so, so good for the soul. So thank you for hearing me, for letting me get that out. I really hope that whatever state you're in, you feel safe enough and open enough to just express this time, even if it's in your journal. This is such a strange experience that we're all taking on. It's very um, new to us, and I really think it's important for us to really hold each other in whatever way feels good um, with whatever it is that comes up. So with that being said, I'm really excited to move into this episode. It's a really empowering one. It does focus on um, the act of being single and outside of a partnership. But what's really, really beautiful is that it comes full circle to where it talks about how you can still choose to be single and with yourself and be so open and excited for partnership. The thing here that we um, dissect a lot, Shaney and myself, is just lowering the expectations and no longer designing your life around finding someone around that being your sole purpose. Instead, we talk about how it's been very, very therapeutic and helpful and um, just really, really good for us to design a life that we want and to just be living our best lives and to be living our truth. And whatever comes from that will just be this amazing, amazing bonus that we'll be grateful for whenever it, whenever it does show up. So with that being said, I am so excited to introduce to you Shaney Silver from a single-serving podcast and Refinery29 series every single day. Let's dive into today's episode. I hope you love it. 
So you guys, today is a really cool day for me. Shaney Silver, the host of a single-serving podcast and author of Refinery29's Every Single Day series, is joining me today. And if you don't know about her already, I am very excited for you because life is about to get a whole lot better. So as she perfectly puts it every week and pretty much every day on her Instagram, Shaney is unapologetically changing the discussion and the stigma around being single and turning it into one that, as she says, doesn't suck. Her podcast description alone is enough to just give me chills because she's so right. There are enough horror stories and survival guides around being a single woman, human, whatever, out in the world, and we should be able to talk about being single without any shame around it, and then maybe society would follow suit. Lastly, as Shaney so perfectly states, being single isn't something to survive. It's a part of life that's worth living and loving and sometimes laughing at and that you can, in fact, both enjoy being single and be completely open and excited for partnership. She and I are both living proof of that. So let's jump into today's episode with Shaney Silver, which will, without a doubt, be a gift to us all, regardless of your relationship status. So I'm fangirling a a little bit over here, and I just want to tell you why. So I had been in the thick of healing from a heartbreak about a year and a half ago. I actually just aired a podcast the other day sharing the lessons I learned from it, and within that process, I ended up healing a lot of deep, grueling stuff I had been carrying around subconsciously from past relationships, and I was feeling so good about where I was at in my life, feeling whole, grounded, centered, and then I just started to notice that I would be taken off course by other people's questions, subconscious judgments, or what have you, about where I was at in my life regarding partnership or lack thereof. So questions like, are you dating anyone? And then that sad look that's followed after. And my favorite, but don't you want kids? And this started to become a little bit of a trend when people would find out that I was single. And it gave me such a complex and left me feeling really shitty about a situation that I moments ago had felt really secure and grounded in. I had no idea how to navigate these new-to-me projections of society. I've never really had to. Um, And then I found you. I remember listening to one episode and feeling so overwhelmingly grateful for it and for you and your voice and your approach. It was like someone put me on a rocket ship and I was right back to feeling grounded again. Like, I had this community of people that I had never met but felt so understood by. And from there, I quite literally binged every episode you have, your website, every article you've written, because they're so therapeutic and just real. So I guess that's my long-winded way of saying just thank you for existing and for crushing stigmas left and right and that your work just really, really matters. So everything you just described is very much why... Maybe not why I started the podcast, but it's certainly what it's become for me. It has become that purpose. It has become like, I can't stop doing this because I've seen too much good come from it. Mm -hmm. I started the podcast because I was listening to other podcasts and thinking to myself, like, I could do this shit. Like, I was listening to people talk and it just, you know, there are certain podcasts that don't have a lot of like overarching theme or purpose. It's just essentially people having conversations with each other. And and sometimes that doesn't work, but sometimes it 
really does. Mm -hmm. And so like, I thought, why don't I do this? Like, I have something I'm passionate about. I have something that means a lot to me. I want to give this a shot and see if, um, see if I can help people. So really why, why I started this was because I thought that I had, or I knew I had a voice in the space and I knew I had things to say. And then seeing it grow and seeing it become something that was actually helping people, it sort of defined its own purpose for me. And so the longer I do this, the more I just see the community grow and I see people actually feeling better about being single because of something I created. It's been an incredible experience to sort of like watch my purpose and I find each other in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah, absolutely. So can you paint a picture for the listeners just about like what life is looking like for you right now in this moment? I like to just have them um, to give them some sort of like a visual about like who you are, where you're at, what things of are course. looking like. Absolutely. So, um, I am a 37 year old single woman living in Brooklyn. I have, I have a cat obviously <laughs> because you're going to hear her. She, oh, man was sleeping peacefully until 20 seconds ago. Um, so I, um, I've been single for the last 12 or so years, I think. Um, I am a writer. I'm a freelance writer. I do, um, all kinds of essentially anything with words I've been doing for the last like decade or so of my life. But my favorite stuff to do is I have a column on refinery 29 every other week called every single day. Yes, we know you're here, darling. Um, (laughs) I also have a variety of clients in the like creative content space and the copywriting space. Um, and I do a lot of work in the single space as well. Mm -hmm. So there's, that's what I do. I kind of it's, it's very hard to define what I do. And I used to be really like ashamed of that. And like, I I always felt like I should have like some one liner that I could give to people to explain what I do. But then I got in, I like started receiving information about human design and I found Mm, what mine was. What are you? And I'm meant to, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm meant to be a lot of different things and that's okay. (laughs) Like that's how I'm supposed to function is like have a lot of different things that I'm interested in different just sort of portals out there in the world where I can create work. And so I'm, I would consider myself primarily a writer, but Mm -hmm. the longer I have become a podcaster, the more I begin to identify this way too. Um, which is bizarre because if you would have asked me a year ago, if I would have ever considered podcasting as an actual profession, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. I don't like the sound of my voice. (laughs) I wasn't confident in my interview skills. I didn't know what I was doing at all. Mm -hmm. And now I feel really good about this. So that's, that's something that's changed for sure. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. I feel that. Um, let's jump into your background a little bit. So where are you from? Where, where are you from? And what was your childhood like? So I am from Fort Worth, Texas. I lived in Texas for the first 23 years of my life. So I'm definitely a Texan. Um, I, I, uh, childhood wise grew up with a single mom and a brother. And then my mother married my stepfather when I was about, I think I was 16 or 17 when they got married. And so I've had a blended family consisting of my mom, my stepdad, me, my biological brother, and two stepbrothers who are twins. Mm -hmm. And they are 12 years younger than me. So there's a big big age gap there. Mm -hmm. Um, What is she even doing? Um, (laughs) That's really, that's really what it was like. It was, it was basically like, I grew up like the only Jewish kid in giant Texan public high schools, Mm -hmm. grew up feeling very different from everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and very uh, shy and introverted as a kid because like, I, I don't think that I like really understood what was going on around me. I think I was really easily overwhelmed by how different I was and how different everyone else was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, 
it was interesting. It was were you interesting, were you sure. programmed like in any way growing up to believe that like your life had to look a certain way just based on your gender, just being a woman? I don't think that I was ever conscious consciously uh, uh, guided one way or the other mm-hmm. because I'm a woman. If anything, I would say uh, my mom. Um, the only like really gendered messaging that I got would, was the common stuff like um, like boys mature fast faster than girls. Like anytime my brother and I would fight, it was always, was always on me to be the more mature one, to be the more responsible one because girls mature faster than boys. It mm-hmm. never dawned on anybody to say, Hey, you mature more slowly than your sister. Catch yeah. the fuck up. Like yeah. nobody ever says that to boys. They always put the onus on girls to be the more mature ones and just, just sort of bear the brunt of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one that was a bit more positive, I think is my mother was very cautious about raising me, um, to be career focused. She was raised to be marriage focused and she did not want that for me. So she always made it a point to tell me that I was to pursue my career before any relationships. I wasn't allowed to date under her roof at all. Um, dating and, and relationships and, and men and all that was nothing to do with me until mm-hmm. I had my career, which of course is not like the most logical thing in the world because after you become whatever you're going to become, assuming you only ever become one thing, you're not like issued a husband after yeah, you pass right. the bar. You know what I right. mean? Like it's not, that's not how it works, but I think that she meant well. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So let's move into relationships. Can you shed some light on your own experience within relationships and dating? I know that you said you've been single for the past 12 years, but um, you're pretty outspoken about the fact that you have been actively dating within that time frame. So what has that been like? So in the since my last relationship, which ended when I was about, I think I was like 26, mm-hmm. when that ended, um, I have been definitely dating. I've been online dating for the majority of that time, I deleted my dating apps a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I was on them for like 11 years. And, um, like every app you can imagine every, like everything, <laughs> like if, if it existed in the dating space, I had tried it. Um, and it never once resulted in a relationship. I, I have not had one since I was 26. It's basically just been a lot of, um, a lot of experiences, some good, but predominantly not so good. Mm-hmm. And, dating has just been a grind. It's just been an absolute fucking grind, like a really punishing experience, um, Mm. that felt, it always felt like very unfair. Mm. And, um, I think that's what, I mean, I know that's what created the, the change in my mind that sort of led me down the current professional path that I'm on Mm -hmm. because I just, I had to believe that there was, well, two things. I believe that everything I was going through had to be for a reason. Mm-hmm. I knew it had to be for a reason because there's no sense behind just constantly feeling so punished and so down and so low in the dating space. And then also like, I knew that like, they're like, what am I looking for? I always lose this train of thought because it's, <laughs> I get so like passionate and emotional no, about the, yeah. all of this. Like I knew I knew that I could help people feel better. Mm -hmm. I knew that there was going to be a purpose behind everything that I had done. And I knew that I could help people. And then I also knew that like, um, there had to be more that more to life than what I was experiencing. There had Mm -hmm. to be more joy. There had to be more beauty. There had to be more happiness. I I didn't believe that I was put on earth to just be in this dating hellhole my whole life. Yeah. And that your happiness is like defined by if you're dating someone or if your dating life is up to par or going well. 
Yeah. Yeah. There had to be more to it. And and as soon as I started allowing myself to believe that there was more to it, I found that there was. Yeah. So you've been really outspoken about um, deciding to delete the app. So what was your reasoning behind doing this? What was like the line in the sand where you were like, no more? So the line in the sand came right after I started doing Lacey Phillips' work. And I don't oh, know yes. if you're familiar. Yeah. So oh, I yes. started doing her work at the end of January 2019. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember learning was like, if it's not serving you, it needs to leave your life. Like mm-hmm. you need to say no to things that aren't serving you. And there was nothing serving me less than dating apps. Mm-hmm. Like there, I was barely matching with people. I was going on dates, like in-person dates, maybe three times a year. It was that bad. It was that punishing. And if they're never serving me, they need to go. Mm-hmm. And within her work, you sort of learn like the only thing that you're, that you're holding back by not getting rid of these things that aren't serving you is yourself mm-hmm. and your own development and growth. So I deleted them and I just never looked back. It, and the longer they're gone, the less I want to download them. Now I have absolutely no interest in downloading them ever again, but like you know that pull that you would feel when you would delete the dating apps and you're always like drawn oh, yeah. back into them for some sure. reason? Yeah. I, I haven't felt it once. I have not felt it once since I deleted them last year. Not one time. That was the difference was like realizing it's not serving me. So why am I doing this? Right. Are there any ways like in which you feel like it's put you at a disadvantage? Because it feels like every single person in the world who's single is swiping left and right now. Yeah, no, I feel that I'm at an advantage, not a disadvantage, because I'm not, I'm not made to feel bad. I'm not made to feel insulted. I'm Mm -hmm. not made to feel disgusted ever. Yeah. Like for for every girl that's swiping right and not receiving anything, Mm -hmm. no matches, no messages, and the messages she is getting are absolute trash. That never happens to me. Those negative moments, those feelings of badness, for lack of a better way to put it, that's never happening to me. And I have filled the space that used to be filled with so much negative with positive things. I've really replaced the amount of time I used to spend on dating apps with creating my own podcast for single Mm. women. Yes. I love that. If you're having an amazing time on dating apps, stay there. But if you're not, there is no reason for you to allow that to take up space in your life. There are obviously going to be relationships that result from online online dating, like numbers alone. If you put that many millions of people together, yeah, some of them are going to find each other, but -hmm. but we're ignoring the millions of people who find no one who only find negativity, who only find this fucking struggle. Mm -hmm. And these memes that turn like these horrible messages that women receive that turn into funny Tinder memes, but a girl had to receive that. Like we, we laugh at that. And like, it's like, like how funny are Tinder nightmares? Right. But like Somebody had to receive that message. I want to talk about this for a second. Something that doesn't sit well with me that I'm really like in this current moment trying to shift is that, and I'd love to get your, um, your approach on this, but I've noticed that I feel like I have this like overextended need to make sure that everyone knows that I'm okay, (laughs) that I'm happy, that yes, ultimately I want partnership, but that I'm not lonely or bitter or whatever. Um, or like actually lacking anything, but I'll find myself over explaining that. Do you know what I mean? And of course, yeah, the irony is that I end up making myself feel like shit when I do that. I'm like, what am I trying to prove? And I think that has to do with pressure. I often feel from society, but do you ever find yourself doing that with people? Yes. I used to all the time. I used to give a lot of a shit about what people thought of me and how, how informed people were about how comfortable I was being single and trying to convince 
convince them doesn't work because society has such a negative opinion of single women that the harder you work to convince them you're okay, the more they're convinced that you're just like lying to yourself or to them or to everybody. It's so, it's messed up, but like, Mm -hmm. it's not your job to tell people how happy you are. It is your job to show yourself how happy you can be. Mm. It's very different. Like we don't have a responsibility to convince anyone else that we're okay. I would rather spend it, you know, exploring things that matter to me or that excite me or that I want to learn or do. Um, I don't, um, I don't want to speak directly to like coupled society I would rather connect with single society and and discuss things about ourselves that like other people don't get to see and and that other people aren't really creating anything for Mm -hmm. like everything about single culture is dating related. Everything. It's like how how many more bits of dating advice or how many more dating apps do we need? Like, I can't tell you how many, um, I don't know when this is going to air, but we are sitting, you know, dead center in a quarantine and I can't tell you how many, pitches I've received from PR people who are trying to like sell me on these products that are making sure that everyone still gets to date during a pandemic. And I'm like, guys, this is not a priority. Like why is dating a priority? Why is being single so disgusting to you that you have to make sure people can try to end their singlehood even during a global pandemic? Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Do you, are there moments where you ever feel bad or anxious about being single? Does that come up for you ever? I mean, I know we're all human. human. Yeah, exactly. Of course. But it it feels different than it used to. Yeah. It used to be my life's function and my life's purpose. Like it used to be like a literal like job of mine, a literal focus of mine used to be ending being single. And it wasn't even like something that I thought about or was burdened by. I just used to think it was a natural thing. I'm single. Therefore that's a wrong thing. Let's put effort into making that a right thing. Mm -hmm. It was very similar to having a job. I like paying rent. Therefore I go to work every day. Mm -hmm. It was just very natural. And I carried on that way and everything was fine. I, I spent time trying not to be single anymore because I came from the assumptive place that being single was wrong. Mm -hmm. And after a decade of trying, I was like, what the fuck? I have been trying for a decade. Where is he? Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be punished like this anymore. I can't be this failure anymore, especially not in your late 20s and early 30s when everyone is partnering Mm -hmm. and all the messages you get are how behind you are. Like, I just, I couldn't do that anymore. And um, so, yeah, that, that helped me stop. I think for me, it's a total yes and situation. Like, yes, sometimes it doesn't feel good and I find myself like really craving partnership in the worst way because, I mean, I think it's something that I'm really good at. I'm incredibly affectionate and I really value that kind of connection with another human. But then other times I'm like, what a beautiful phase of life I'm in right now, like right here, right now. And something that Tracy Ellis Ross says, I love her so much. So when she refers to being single, she's said, um, this life is mine. And it's like such a simple sentence, but it carries so much punch to it. Um, because it it doesn't mean that I don't want to share it with someone, but right now in this present moment, which is all there is, it's like, what a gift to be able to be so free and design this life that I love and not have to like shrink or share it with anyone and to, you know what I mean? Like conform it in some way. Like that's, It's a rare gift to be able to have that, especially at this age when you've really come into yourself. Yeah, there's, 
For sure. She is, she is a hero. She is like dream guest. Number one. I refer to her (laughs) with my podcast community as guest zero. Like she is the ultimate Mm, guest. That would be amazing. Can you imagine? (laughs) I don't even know if I can collect myself enough to speak to her, but I like to think that like I have it as, as like one of my goals in life is to is to interview Tracy Ellis yes. from my podcast um but yeah it's it's so funny when when she says things that she says obviously like we resonate with them so much mm-hmm. and I wonder if we resonate with them because we we agree and we love what she's saying or we agree so much because we know that coupled people are hearing it too Mm. We know that like our families are hearing it too. And it's like giving validation to something that wasn't previously valid. And I love the work that she's doing. And I love, God, I love every single thing she's ever Mm -hmm. said about single life. I just wish that she didn't have to say it. And I wish that it didn't get such this uproarious applause. I wish it didn't have to be said, but it does. Yeah. It does have to be said because society still looks at single women, particularly single women over 30 as broken and wrong and failures and unwanted. Mm -hmm. And that makes us feel like shit and we do not deserve that. We never did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of that, I want to touch on age for a moment because I think this is a huge part of society's issue with single women. There's this, notion or reality rather around women getting older and becoming less valuable. You have written a piece on this that blew my mind. It was so good. But can you talk to us about that a bit and your views on this? About aging and being single? Mm-hmm. And just like what the, the irony of like what that looks like for women versus men and like us becoming less valuable and they're becoming more valuable. Oh, I know. It's so gross. Like men age and get more money and become suddenly more attractive. But women as they age just deteriorate in value because of, you know, like the assumed value in us is our uterus. Mm -hmm. And so like when that's out of business, just throw her away. She's expired. Um, I will say that I have a different experience with aging as a single woman. And I know that it's like a really privileged position because I do not want children. Mm -hmm. So I don't view myself on any kind of biological timeline. And I know for many women, they are very much on that incredibly valid biological timeline. And I want to acknowledge them and tell them that my heart is with them. And I wish that I understood their perspective more and and could speak to it, but I can't because I do not want children at all. So I don't see my value in that capacity decreasing. I feel it in other ways, like the way that I look is changing with each passing year. Mm -hmm. And like we're societally groomed to think that I'm getting worse looking year over year over year because I'm aging. But I just, again, I just can't believe that that's what we're on earth to think. And that that's what we're on earth to be is like this slowly developed, being. I, I refuse to believe it. I think there are too many people in too many happy relationships at every age on earth to believe that we are decreasing in value as women. And I also know that like whoever I'm going to gonna be with will not see any devaluation right. in me whatsoever. If we meet tom- tomorrow or if we meet when I'm 60, it's not mm-hmm. going to matter. So I, I, I have a different relationship with age, but I do, it's, it's, it's very hard to block out all of the incoming. Mm-hmm. Because how many how many products exist for anti aging or for to make women. You look younger or like you know like why am I so yeah. disgusted by the sight of my own gray hair because I am ladies I dye it out I can't stand it yeah. so um, there there are physical things that I struggle with in in terms of aging but I um, I just really can't believe 
that women were put on earth to only have value between the ages of like 24 and 29. Like that's mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those people that are like, sometimes I forget how old I am. It's not, it's not like that. It's just, I'm so neutral about it. Honestly, like my age doesn't define me one bit. And I don't actually know where that came from. Maybe because my parents just didn't raise us like that. Like there was never any pressure from them growing up and They've always been like, you can embark on new journeys whenever you want, you know? Like, I never had this notion that by a certain age or a certain point, my time was up. And I've never felt like I had to stay in a job or that I had to settle just because it was time. I just, like you said, I think that's bullshit. And we get one trip around the sun to do what we want, to be with who we want to be with, and to create a life that's ours in whatever way that looks like for us. But I just think... Yeah, like, what does age have to do with it as long as you're healthy enough to embrace the moments? Like, if you really strip away, like, all of the other BS, like, if you're healthy and you're happy, age is quite literally irrelevant. Um, aside from, I do want to talk about this, because aside from the kid thing, you know, you had mentioned that you don't want kids and you're very open about that. I have a couple of friends who also don't feel that desire, and... I get so jealous sometimes that they have that freedom because it is somewhat of like a weird time crunch. Like I for sure know that I want them enough to enough to um, be freezing my eggs. So that's like definitely something that I felt like, okay, I can take control of this, you know, and kind of have some control over um, the timeline, if you will. It's really hard, like, having that maternal pull, but also, like, trying not to, you know, rush the process in any way because I feel very strongly about that, about letting it be organic and on its own timeline. And, um, But that piece is really hard. And it can be sometimes, I think that's the only time where I'm ever taken out of, like, fully being able to relate with my other single friends um, that I mentioned who don't want kids. You know, we have that disconnect there where I'm like, oh, it feels like, that must be so freeing, you know, to just be like, no, like that's not for me. Um, where at times that can be like the one thing that puts panic into my into my life of just like, oh, I want this so badly. I know. Yeah. It's really unfair. It's very, very unfair. And it is incredibly freeing mm-hmm. to not like when I used to date with the intent of having kids, it was very much like a, I did that because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I mm. assumed that the pull to have children would show up eventually. Right. But at a certain point I had to acknowledge like this never showed up. In fact, the opposite has. Yeah. So you need to start admitting that to yourself and other people that you don't want to be a mother. So mm. once I did that, it was incredibly freeing. It was a massive weight off of my shoulders. I cannot imagine what it feels like to still have that weight on you. Mm-hmm. But I also would encourage like a little bit of a relaxing because we put a lot of panic language and a lot of panic like messaging out in the world about women's bodies mm-hmm. and like the like of course we we cherish youth over everything right but like I I don't know I I get very nervous about telling women like you can only have babies by this age like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. freaks me out because I've seen too many outliers to believe that that's entirely true. Mm -hmm. Like I know way too many women that have had babies in their forties. Like I just, I wish that, I wish that we were a little bit more broad in Mm -hmm. our discussion of pregnancy and, and sort of like eased up a little bit on that because I think it puts a lot of pressure on women to have babies like by the time they're 32. Yeah. And I, I mean, I am just so grateful for science in general. Like, you know, like I said, for me being able to like 
take control and to be able to freeze my eggs like that. And like more women are doing that, especially at a young age too, because they don't want to have to like succumb to this society timeline, you know? And so I do try and come back to just that feeling of like deep gratitude of, you know, science is really doing a lot to make that possible for us as well. So yeah, there's good in it too, I suppose. And there's adoption, there's foster care, there's foster to adopt programs. There Mm -hmm. are a lot of ways that people who want to become parents can become parents. And I hope that everybody who wants to become a parent Mm -hmm. is able to. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, we are recording this during the Corona pandemic. So being in isolation and in a time of quarantine, as we talked about before we hit record, it's a kind of a weird time to be single um, or to be trying to date. So it's like you can't put yourself into the scenarios where you would generally meet people. Um, You're sequestered to your home. So how has this impacted you in terms of dating or your outlook on being single, if at all? It hasn't. It hasn't changed anything for me in the dating space. I don't, I do not actively put effort into dating Mm -hmm. or into meeting people. I don't pursue relationships. I am very open to meeting people in the natural course of life Mm -hmm. and connecting that way. I think that's a beautiful thing. And and I look forward to it all the time. Um, and I'm open to it all the time, but I don't put effort specifically into finding my partner. So, um, this is, this is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely out in the world less and that makes me sad for many reasons it, that have nothing to do with dating at all. I miss my friends. I yeah. miss going to, to places. I miss going to places. Like, what are places? That's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's hard. Um, yeah. I will I'll say this though. I will be really honest about when the, when I started self-isolating, mm-hmm. like it was, it was, uh, today is day 14. So it was two weeks ago today that I was just like, okay, this is time. Like I'm not leaving anymore. It's, it's time to self-isolate because I was taking in news and all of that. It wasn't like an official New York lockdown or anything, but Mm -hmm. it was time. And the next day, that Friday, I remember thinking or feeling very, very alone and very, very sad to be alone. And it was a very foreign feeling because I never, exist that way. I never walk around thinking, God, I wish I had a husband. Like there's no, that isn't how I operate. I never operate from a place of lack. I operate from a place of knowing that my next relationship will simply be adding to an already complete life. So that moment of sadness and lack and emptiness was very sobering because I hadn't experienced that in years. Mm -hmm. And I think it came from fear. Mm -hmm. I think it came because I didn't know what was happening or for how long. I didn't know how alone I was going to be for how long. And like, that was terrifying. It was, I, I somehow thought in that moment, like maybe this would be easier if someone else was here. Mm -hmm. And then the quarantine went on and on and on. And I started to be incredibly grateful to be here by myself. (laughs) Because I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine being alone with another human being in this apartment for the foreseeable future. My cat is enough, let me tell you, because <laughs> I've seen like, I mean, we're, we're, we're taking in all kinds of information about how difficult it is to homeschool children yeah. and, um, you know, continuously get along with your partner during a very, very stressful and uncertain time. Um, it, it really, the perspectives that we're gaining are are kind of crazy to be honest. Um, but it also made me think, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but like, it made me think like, like this is something else to consider when partnering. Mm-hmm. Like, could you apocalypse with them? You need to ask yeah. yourself these questions. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
Uh, so one thing that you said that I really love that I just want to circle back on really quick is that you had mentioned that you're not actively seeking a partner, which I think is like so beautifully put. And I think that can also be a misconception. And sometimes I'll even find myself doing that. Like I'll be getting ready to like go to the grocery store and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just put on a little bit of makeup just in case. I'm like, oh, like I don't like the way that that feels when I catch myself doing that. But I know that that's also a part of like the ego and just being human and whatever. But I just think that that is really beautifully said of just like you are just freely going about your life and doing the things that you love to do and just letting the pieces fall where they may. I think, again, there's another misconception that like we're kind of always actively on the hunt or um, we need to put extra effort into our look wherever we go. Because you know, I read a piece of yours that made me laugh out loud. It was like the "You never know." Oh my god! Yeah, that was the first. I the was very dying first laughing. Very piece. It was so <laughs> funny and accurate, though, because you just and then the way you end it, you're like, "Because you never know." Um, but I, mean, I was just so nodding insane. to that. Like, yeah. Why do we have to treat every? Every time we leave the house as an opportunity to meet our husband, yeah. maybe I just want to go like to the pharmacy or something. Yeah. Maybe I just want to go to the park. Maybe I just want to go to the farmer's market without anticipating a fucking meat cute. Yeah. Like just buy the apples. Like you don't have to do <laughs> anything else. Yeah. Like, because we're, we're setting ourselves up for, for failure. And I don't mean that as a negative. And I know it sounds yeah. that way, but we are assigning a secondary goal mm-hmm. to something that was already nice to begin with. Yeah. And if that secondary goal does not happen, then the first nice thing couldn't happen either because right. you then attributed something negative to something that was totally fine to begin with. Like that trip to the farmer's market was going to be really lovely. Yeah, You were going to go and see what they had and get inspired and make an amazing dish that night. But you went thinking, oh, I would love to meet somebody at the farmer's market, like some cute farm dude or like mm-hmm. some single guy shopping at the farmer's market. By the way, single guys do not shop at the fucking farmer's market. It's all only married guys, believe me. Um, so you, by adding that secondary layer onto it, the first layer of the shopping for things and getting inspired and getting great groceries, like that will have a negative tint to it because it didn't come along with meeting someone. Mm -hmm. So separating those things and releasing the pressure of having to turn every time you leave your house into an opportunity to meet someone will just allow you to breathe so much easier and to just carry yourself with so much more calm. Mm -hmm. Like the stress we put on ourselves and the pressure we put on ourselves, the, it's really not fair. Mm -hmm to you yourself for a lot of different reasons. Like you deserve to be really happy and to feel really successful for so many more things than this. And I think we miss those opportunities when we assign that secondary goal of meeting someone to every single thing we do. So true. And you know, I've found like in my own personal experience, I've always been in relationships. This is like the first this past year and a half is the first time that I've really ever been single, which is crazy. Um, but what I've noticed is like when I started to lower expectations, like you said, and when I started to truly just do things the way I wanted them and for myself and just got in this really, really good space with myself, that was when I was also the most magnetic. So it's not yeah. lost on me how that works. You know, you go about doing your thing. People recognize that and they're interested. You're interesting and you are. Um, what happens is like, yeah, when you're projecting this, like, you know, you can tell when someone's seeking and at times that can, that can be a little bit, 
of a, of a put off, you know? Um, yeah, you can't fake it either. Mm -hmm. You can't go about your business with in the back of your mind. You're like, Oh, I'm, I'm like improving myself so that I can meet someone. No, you're doing what you love. You're pursuing hobbies. Mm -hmm. You're learning a new skill. You're like kicking ass at work, whatever it is. You're doing that for you. Mm -hmm. Not so that you can become more attractive to the outside world. Cause you cannot fake that intent. You cannot fake your intentions. And I know it's very hard to change them. I know it's like everything that I'm saying I know is really hard to hear. But you don't have to hear it all at once. Mm -hmm. You don't have to believe it all at once. You can baby step your way into like being happier, being single. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope that, that that comes through because I feel like everything that I say just like hits people like a freight train sometimes. And I'm like, I don't mean to do that to Well, you. that's why like, I wanted you here though, because I think it's really important for people to be able to have someone to, to speak the truth and to be really upfront about this subject because it's one like we talked about is tiptoed around so often. And I think what you're saying is actually what people want to hear like you said, they might have to hear it in doses, but like I, I just feel like it's so important to like slash these taboo subjects and to really come from a place of like, this might not be what you've always heard, but this is the truth. Um, so I'm, again, I've told you a thousand times, but I'm grateful for the fact, um, that you put it out there and your delivery, I think is very refreshing. Thank you so much. Yeah. I love what I do. I, I'm telling I you, tell. I found purpose <laughs> and I, I love every second that I do this. I love every second I spend talking to single women or emailing with them mm-hmm. or, or chatting with them in my Facebook group. Like this is, this is a wonderful, wonderful purpose that I found. And it makes me feel really good to see other people, um, feeling better and mm-hmm. feeling more valid right now, as mm-hmm. opposed to once they've found someone. Right. So I need to come up with a new name for this, but as of right now, all I can think of is rapid fire. So I I like to close out with these questions, but please take your time in answering and feel free to speak in detail. Um, So, okay. What is the best part, in your opinion, of being a single woman? Freedom. Mm, What's the worst part? Mm. I guess, you know what? I feel like... I feel like I need to get more connected to that like physical affection part Mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. I feel like I sometimes let that slide because I'm like, why would I spend time, mental energy focusing on how nice it would be to like be physically affectionate with somebody because I just know that it's not around. So I don't just like want to live longing for something. But I think it would be really like mentally and physically um, healthy for me and enjoyable to have more physical affection in my life. I think that that would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, this poor cat gets snuggled far more than she wants to. She's like, mom. (laughs) Like, seriously, back off. Um, No, I think probably the downside for me at the moment would be I would love more physical affection. I think that could have Mm -hmm. a lot of really positive um, influences in my life, and that is not the case right now, but it will not always be that way. Exactly. So in this season of life, what are you most grateful for? Health. Mm -hmm. Health, ladies, health. I have never been so grateful to be healthy. It's Mm -hmm. a absolute blessing and a privilege to have my health right now. Mm -hmm. Do you have any sort of a morning routine? If so, what is it? Yes, I do. Um, Don't think I'm weird, but I typically wake up between 4 and 5 a.m. Whoa. (laughs) Without an alarm. Wow. And I will say it used to be closer to four, but then daylight savings happened and like Mm -hmm. shoved me an hour in advance. So now it's more like between five and five 30, I'll wake up and I like to be at my desk by six. I like to spend the first few hours of the day writing because that's when my brain is best for that particular activity. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the rest of the day I give to like podcast recordings and, um, anything, anything that's non 
writing related, but usually, yeah, I spend, I spend my mornings getting up really early and doing a ton of writing. Do you mostly stay at home to write or will you go out and vent? Well, I mean, not now, obviously, but will you go out (laughs) and venture to like coffee shops and stuff? No, I do not work anywhere but home. Mm -hmm. I do not find, like, I get way too nervous about working in public and not because I don't like other people, but because like, what if I have to pee? Am I just going to like leave my laptop here? Like what? What if someone steals it? Like it's just too much stress involved in that. It's like, why would I pay somebody for coffee and a sandwich when I have both of those things in my own house? It's like, I don't. I don't want to pay to work. Let me put mm, it that way. Yeah. Like I am really comfortable working alone. I'm really comfortable working from home. Um, and it's just kind of my space where I've always been most creative. So I, I mean, that's not to say that like after this is over, I'm not going to fully embrace trying to work from other places. <laughs> just get because, human interaction. Like, shit. Like yeah. nothing is giving me more perspective than this. But right. no, typically I, I only work from home. Okay. What about your evening routine? evening routine is I do have a set time of day where I shut my laptop and just not open again. Mm -hmm. And I will usually transition into the latter half of my day by, um, like turning on a podcast and cooking dinner. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that's really it. Like I don't, I'm I'm pretty simple about my routines Mm -hmm. and now it's like, now it's a very indulgent version of that. Yeah. Like I'm very kind with myself if I need to like watch a movie at 3 p.m. That's happening. Like yeah. so it's a little bit different now. But typically, yeah, it's like I wrap up and I just transfer into an activity that I love like cooking or like taking what I call a self-care shower, which is like a shower with the fancy soap and like all the good scrubs mm-hmm. and things like yeah. that. That's a good way to end my day as well. And it's a very relaxing one. Yeah. So my next question was favorite act of self-care. Would it be one of those? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Lacey's work, I would say oh, yeah. is my, is hands down my favorite That's method of self-care. I'm not answer. the same person that I was 14 months ago. And anyone that does this will, will agree. It's completely life-changing. Same sister. Um, yeah. yeah. So I would say Lacey's work for sure is my favorite method of self-care. But then apart from that, just being very kind with myself and letting mm-hmm. myself do what I need to do, what I'm drawn to do and not feeling guilty or thinking I should be doing something else because whatever I'm drawn to do is, is probably what I should be doing. Yeah. Are you an OG member of Lacey's or do you do the pathway or which? I have been a pathway member since January of 2019. Okay. So for 14 months I've been doing her work daily. Okay. So I did the one like the, I bought like all the a la cards when I think like she kind of first came to the surface and then she created the pathway and I'm so tempted to switch over because it looks like there are so many golden nuggets in there that I'm very, very tempted to try. There's no reason not to be a pathway member. I'm telling you, okay. there is no reason. I will be a member for the rest of my life. There uh-huh. is no reason not to do this. Okay. I'll link it below for everyone who's like, what are you guys talking about? But yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Um, what is your spirit animal? Oh my God. Is it Clem? I mean, <laughs> it, it might be Clem. And it might be because she's just as moody and just as set on doing whatever she wants and not what anyone else wants. It might be. It might I'm not sure. Might be a cat. It changes. I think it probably varies. I know that everyone's going to head over to your Instagram, or at least they should, when this is over, but you guys have to see her cat. She is <laughs> just so cute. Her little nose, like that little spot on her nose. It's her beauty mark. She's so, so sweet. Um, if you were a color, what color would you be? Gold. Ooh, good one. Off the top of your head, what are three things making you happy right now? Oh, man. Let's get these right because let's get these right. It is a time for this. Okay, so mm-hmm. definitely FaceTimes with friends. Mm-hmm. I have had some absolutely like mm-hmm. crying, laughing FaceTimes mm-hmm. since this began. I cannot stress the importance of FaceTiming your friends enough. Yeah. Um, 
I also think you should download an app called House Party, which like it lets you play games with your friends. Like I have never laughed that hard in my entire life. We had the best time last Friday. We're going to do it again. Um, So that's one. I think another one is um, another one is definitely books. Mm -hmm. I've been reading a lot of books during this quarantine time. Um, I'm very grateful that Amazon is still delivering. I feel a little bit weird about ordering from Amazon right now, but I'm very grateful that they exist and that everybody is employed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another one. What else? There's so much that it's hard to pick like any one thing. I think I'm really happy that I can work from home Mm -hmm. at any time Mm -hmm. and that like my ability to work has not been affected by this. Right. I'm really grateful for that. I can still wake up and write every morning if I want to. Yeah. Um, So that's definitely, that's a gratitude moment for sure. That's so good. So what breaks your heart? Oh, God. It, it's a it's a very overwhelmingly heartbreaking thought to think about people in isolation that do not have comfortable living environments, yeah. that do not have safe living environments, that mm-hmm. don't have healthy living environments. That That is what I can't really, I almost can't let myself think about it because it's like, I'm helpless here. Like, what mm-hmm. do I do? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how to think about that. Um, or how to think about everybody currently in the hospital with this thing. Mm-hmm. Like we can't imagine what it's like to not be able to breathe mm-hmm. like that. I can't, I can't really process the weight of what's happening right now. Yeah. The depths of I, it. Yeah. I think that's the the depth and the width of coronavirus and what it's, what it's doing now and what it will continue to do and how we're all going to come out of this. Mm-hmm. I know in the long run we're going to be fine, mm-hmm. but I'm a little bit worried about the short run. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, what soothes your soul? Mm. staying off of Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, same thing, connecting with friends over mm-hmm. FaceTime. I've seen people more in the last two weeks than in the last two months. Isn't that wild? It, yes, it is so wild. Yeah. I have a call tonight with, uh, when I was living in Chicago in like t- 2008 to 2013, um, I had three really good girlfriends. One of them is still my best friend, but the other two moved to LA. And so obviously like we're really separate. All four of us are really separate. We haven't been in the same physical room in, oh my God. We haven't been in the same physical room together since 2012 or 2013. And tonight we're going to be in a Zoom meeting together. Yes. Which it's, it's mind blowing. Like we, we do not all get together ever. It doesn't happen. So the fact that we get to do this tonight is just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's kind of monumental because like everybody has such different crazy busy lives and, and we're, we're coming together. It's, it's a gift. Well, and what I've noticed too, because a lot of, most of my friends actually live in different States is we get off these calls or we're getting off the call and we're like, wait, why don't we do this once a week? Like, it's so weird. I mean, I'm grateful that the pandemic has like brought that to light and people are doing more of that, but yeah, we're like, this is crazy that it took this for us to do something as healing as like all hopping on house party. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a song or a musician that's on repeat for you right now? The Staves. I've been listening to The Staves a lot. It's three sisters and they are mm. absolutely beautiful, beautiful mm. together. Um, I've been listening to them and then I'll, I'll just like tell my um, my robot whose name starts with an A. I can't I can't wake her up <laughs> because she'll she has a mind of her own. Um, I just tell her to play The Staves radio and she'll just like play that from Spotify and just having that on in the background mm. kind of all the time has been really soothing. I've been yeah. listening to 
a lot of just like all day mellow music, just like not even thinking about it, just like having it on. And I feel like a little bit less alone. alone. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of touched on reading, but do you have a favorite book or a current book that you're reading right now? I have three. Um, So Gary Giannetti's book, Do You Mind If I Cancel? Um, Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. I love her. This morning, this morning, Jen Gotch's book, The Upside of Being Down, arrived. So I cannot wait to start Oh, I didn't know she has a new book. Yeah, it came out yesterday. Oh, I love that human. She's so good. Do you want to know a secret? Tell me. I'm interviewing her for my (gasps) podcast in two hours. No, you're not. Yes! You can... You oh. can leave this in your podcast if it runs after Monday. Because yes, she's I'll be on link Monday. it. That's amazing. Oh, I cannot wait to listen. I'm oh, so, that's I can't so wait cool. to do it. Are you kidding? I'm like so excited. Yeah, she's an icon for me for sure. I love her. Yes. yes. So what is one thing that you wish people knew about you? I wish that more people knew that I'm not anti-relationship. I think mm. a lot of my work comes across as – oh, she loves being single. She must hate relationships. She must not want to be in a relationship. And I don't know why that's the default setting, but like, it's very far from the truth. Mm -hmm. I, I want people to know that it's possible to love being single and to look forward to being in a relationship. The difference for me is that I refuse to be miserable in the meantime. That's the difference there. And it's possible for those things to coexist. Like, in loving single life, you're not sending out vibes to the universe that you don't want a boyfriend. Like that's just not how shit works. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I wish that more people like, could hear me speak about single life in the positive, and not assume that I therefore believe in relationships in the negative. I wish that I wish that that came across better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, lastly, where can people find you? So Shaney Silver is a really Googleable name. Um, <laughs> you can find me. The best place is my website. ShaneySilver.com is sort of a hub for everything. You can find um, my podcast there. You can find my medium there, which is a lot of writing. If you at all like my Refinery29 writing, you will really like my medium because I do that <laughs> a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the podcast also has a Facebook group that you are welcome to join. It is an amazing community of really supportive women. It really is. Um, it's so much fun. I mean, yeah. in happier times, they meet up all over the world. It's like, it's phenomenal. So yeah, that's, that's a great place to start. Well, thank you so much for being here and just for always keeping it real. Um, and just being the embodiment of a strong woman. You have this article about your female heroes. Um, and I remember reading it and being like, well, she's definitely that for me. So oh, thank you so much again for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So you guys, Shaney Silver, isn't she incredible? I value her and her approach to life so much and she really motivates me to just keep having the sometimes hard to have conversations, to keep doing my part to stay true to myself regardless of how society can make me feel sometimes and to just continue supporting other women, other humans as they create the lives that suit them best. And as I always say, we are all in this together and Shaney is such a beautiful representation of that truth. She told you where you can find her, and I can't recommend subscribing to her podcast, A Single Serving, and diving into her website to read all of her amazing articles and her series with Refinery29 called Every Single Day. Lastly, if you have just a moment, would you take 60 seconds to give this show a five-star rating and just a quick review on iTunes? It really is the leading force behind this podcast. It's what helps it to grow organically and allows me to continue to have inspiring and expansive guests on here. 
and to continue shedding light on the human experience. Um, if and when you do leave a review, just take a screenshot and email it to me at hello at thecalmcollective.com and I will send you a link to my print shop to choose any downloadable print that you'd like for free. Just my way of saying thank you. It really does mean the world to me to get your support. Thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you back here next week.